Hi, and welcome back to Healing Quest. I'm Roy Walkenhorst. And I'm Judy Brooks. And if you're just joining us, our focus here on Healing Quest is the latest in uh, natural ways to help us all live longer, healthier, and happier lives. Now, a few weeks ago, we brought you information about a new study from Japan showing that spending time in nature may help prevent cancer, which is a really good thing. And the study found that being in uh, a forest as little as two to four hours actually stimulates the production of an anti-cancer protein. Well, that finding correlates with other studies in Japan, which have found that areas with the most forest coverage have lower cancer mortality rates. Other studies have shown that spending time in a forest reduces blood pressure because trees release compounds, according to researchers, that could be healing for humans by, among other things, boosting immunity and mood and reducing stress. New research has been released which quantifies exactly how many hours you really need to be spending in nature to get those benefits. And the answer is at least two hours a week, according to scientists at the University of Exeter uh, Medical School in England. And good news, the researchers say it doesn't matter, you know, whether you get the two hours in a single visit or in a number of shorter visits during the week, but as long as you get those two hours a week. And the study found that people who spent at least two hours a week in nature were significantly more likely uh, to report like good health and higher psychological well-being than those who didn't visit nature at at all during the the average week. Yeah, it also found the two-hour threshold applied to both men and women. To older and younger adults, it applies across different occupational and ethnic groups and among those living in rich and poor areas. Mm. Scientists say also that the two hours doesn't have to involve just forests, although probably better that it does, but they say it can also just be natural settings in places like town parks or woodlands and country parks. They all count toward the two-hour threshold for the health benefits. It can be your backyard. (laughs) Right kind of backyard. If you have the right kind of backyard, it can be your backyard. Mm -hmm. I I know I spend a lot of time outdoors, you know, and the, the new research also reminds us that one of the most amazing studies we've ever encountered in this area, and it was done by a professor of forest ecology at the University of British Columbia. Her name is Suzanne Simard, and her research has demonstrated that trees have complex networks in the forest that make it possible for intertree communication. Let me say that one more time. I mean, it's just an amazing thought. Intertree communication. They're connected by fungal networks below ground that enable the trees to move water, carbon and nutrients such as nitrogen between and among the trees. She talks about an underground world, she says, of, quote, infinite biological pathways that connect trees and allow them to communicate and allow the forest to behave as though it's a single organism, unquote. She says it might remind you of a sort of intelligence, and she says, in fact, it is. Deep in the forest, about 25 years ago, she grew 80 replicates of three species, a a paper birch, a Douglas fir, and a western red cedar. So I I was really fascinated by the methodology of her experiment because I kept thinking, how would I do this here? So I was thinking, like, in our our backyard, we have this uh, weeping willow, and in the front yard, we have a pine tree, and they're... You know, they're a ways apart. So what she did was she put plastic bags over the trees. She got giant syringe and she injected into the bags. She waited an hour and and at the other tree, then she put a Geiger counter in there, picked up the gas that she had injected into the other tree a long way away. She said it was one of the happiest sounds she'd ever heard when that Geiger counter said, yeah, that gas that you put in that tree a long way away is in this one as well. She went to her first bag with the birch and she pulled the bag off and ran, ran her Geiger counter over the leaves and was the perfect sound. The birch had taken up the radioactive gas. 
Then she went over to the fir tree and she pulled off its bag, ran the Geiger counter up its needles, and heard the Geiger counter sound go ksh. And Professor Samard said it was the sound of Birch talking to Fur, and Birch was saying, Hey, can I help you? <laughs> and Fur was saying, Yeah, you could send me some of your carbon because somebody just threw a shade cloth over me and I need it. <laughs> but she said she was she ran, she checked all eighty replicates, and the evidence was clear showing that Paper Birch and Douglas Fir were in a lively two-way conversation. And it turns out that time of year in the summer, Birch was sending more carbon to fir than fir was sending back to birch, especially when the fir was shaded. But in later experiments, they found the opposite, that sometimes fir sent more carbon to birch. So she said it was all a function of what time of year it was hmm. and, and what each tree needed to be healthy. You know, that gives me goosebumps. I mean, I, I'm telling you, I, I think that's amazing. I mean, I've always suspected that, but to, to have someone actually do the research. And it turns out that out of the two species that they were interdependent, like yin and yang. Yeah. Instead of being competitors in the forest for space and everything, they were cooperators. She said they found solid evidence of massive below-ground communications network, this other world, where trees were actually helping each other. If you're just joining us, I'm Judy Brooks. And I'm Roy Walkenhorst. You're listening to Healing Quest, and we're talking about the power of nature to heal us. How were paper birch and Douglas fir communicating? Well, it turns out they were conversing in the language of carbon and nitrogen and phosphorus and water and defense signals and hormones that they sent back and forth as needed. Kind so, of like people do. Well, <laughs> when they're cooperating, that's exactly right. And, when, and that, then when they realize that we're kind of all one, but that's another whole topic. But here's how it happens. There's fungal threads, little tiny pieces of fungi that colonize the roots of all the plant, uh, trees and plants. And the web is so dense that there can be hundreds and hundreds of kilometers of these threads under a single footprint. They connect different individuals in the forest, individuals not only of the same species, but other species like birch and fir. She said it kind of works like the Internet. Oh, yeah. it, it seems like that. Well, hub trees, or more fondly, they're referred to as mother trees, are the nodes on these interlinking fungal highways. And it turns out that those hub trees, or I like mother trees, mm -hmm. they nurture their young, the ones growing in the understory, you know, the canopy. That's right. They're trying to actually. They're literally reaching for the sun. Mm -hmm. um, she says, in a single forest, a mother tree can be connected to hundreds of other trees. Professor Samard says they found mother trees will send their excess carbon through the fungal network to young seedlings, mm -hmm. and they've associated that with increased seedling survival by four times. Oh my gosh. And they even reduce their own root competition to make elbow room for their kids, which is just, it, it, this is just amazing to me. And when the mother trees are injured or they're dying, they also send messages of wisdom on to the next generation of seedlings. So they've traced carbon moving from an injured mother tree down her trunk into the fungal network and into her neighboring seedlings. Not only carbon, but also defense signals. And these two compounds have increased the resistance of those seedlings to future stresses. So Dr. Samard says, trees talk. Well, I always knew that. Mm -hmm. I, I've always talked Well, you could feel the energy. I can, yeah. I can. Forests aren't simply collections of trees. They're complex systems with hubs and networks that overlap and connect the trees and allow them to communicate. And they provide avenues of feedback and adaptation. And this makes the forest resilient. That's because there are many hub trees and many overlapping networks. I, this is I know. 
This is great. And they're all working together, basically. But they're also vulnerable. They're vulnerable to natural disturbances like bark beetles that attack big old trees and vulnerable to clear cutting, to logging, to the forest practices. So she says, you know, you can take one or two of the mother trees out, uh, but there comes a tipping point. Because hub trees are mother trees. She says they're like rivets in an airplane. You can take one or two out and the plane still flies. You take out one too many, and maybe that's the one holding on the wings, and the whole system collapses. Mm. Well, the great thing about forests is they have enormous capacity to self-heal, just like people do, Mm. really. When you're doing the right things, we have the capacity to self-heal, and the forest does as well. So she says it's, it's really essential that we save our old growth forests because those are the repositories of the genes and the mother trees and the fungal networks. In a way, they're the repositories of wisdom. She's saying less cutting. So when we do cut, we need to save the legacies, the mother trees, you know, it, so they can withstand the future stresses coming down the road. She says, finally, it's also possible to regenerate our forest with a diversity of species by planting. I think one of the uh, risks that she's highlighted is is the tendency to reduce the number of species in a given planting area. She says, that's very, vain, very dangerous. You need to maintain the diversity so that Mother Nature has the tools she needs to use her intelligence to self-heal. Those are the words of Dr. Samard. That's it. And we need to remember that forests aren't just a bunch of trees competing with each other. They're super cooperators. Wow, what a, what a concept. Super cooperators. There's, I think, billions of human beings on the planet that maybe also need to think about doing Yes, that. they do. Well, I love the idea that trees are talking to each other. You know, it just it dawns on me, too. We should also spell Dr. Samard's last name if you want to look her up. It's S-I-M-A-R-D, Suzanne Samard at the University of British Columbia. You'll find more fascinating details uh, at her website. That story just is probably one of the most interesting ones I think that we've ever done. Yeah. I mean, I've always been a tree hugger, so <laughs> and I really do feel the power of trees. But the fact that they are really talking to each other and really communicating and mm-hmm. taking care of each other is fascinating to me. You know, I had the privilege of studying with Angela Sarian for, for a few years, and one of the things that she was really adamant about was spending time in nature, and that was actually one of our assignments, was to spend an hour a day in nature. For She said, if you spend an hour a day in nature for a year, you uh, will change your life. Now there's there a bunch of scientists who agree that <laughs> they, they could be talking physically as well as psychologically, so I guess metaphysically about the power of nature to really have an impact on us. Mm-hmm. Up next, as you may remember at the beginning of the show, we talked about some ideas to help you shed some pounds naturally this summer. Stay tuned. We'll give you the details. And don't forget, a podcast of this and all of the Healing Quest shows are available at our website, HealingQuest.tv. And please follow us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter at Healing Quest. I'm Judy Brooks. And I'm Roy Walkenhorst, and you're listening to Healing Quest on iHeartRadio. Radio.